now broadcasting from Suitland, Maryland, USA, Abiding Truth with Dr. McCune, an outreach of Suitland Road Baptist Church. Please visit us at www.srbcoutreach.org. And now, here's our pastor, Dr. Calvin M. McCune. We praise God for today. The Holy Spirit has placed on my heart a passage of Scripture that reminds us of the fact that God is not slack concerning His promises. Today we would be reminded that Our value has to be placed on the word of God. We would be reminded that when we go into the world and we live to tell others that Jesus is your Savior, not everyone will embrace that message. We would learn that wherever we put our value, that's where our life and our heart will be. If we value the temporal, if we, if we value what we have in this life, material things, then we limit our lives in terms of experiencing the divine. God has greater things for us on this side of eternity. We'll also learn that How then should we look at the material world in which we exist and in which we need? We need our homes, we need our vehicles, we need things to exist. But how should we look at those things? And we will see how God God has instructed us to look at those things in light of eternity in light of the finality, what will eventually happen to material things. And finally, we will consider today, how then should we live, having considered all of the above? Let's come before the Lord and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. And we ask, O Holy Spirit, that you bless us. Please open our hearts to receive your word everything that you desire for us to receive. In the name of Jesus, speak to us, dear God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Second Peter, chapter 3. Second Peter, chapter 3, and verses 1 to 14. 2 Peter chapter 3 says, Beloved, I'm writing to you this second epistle, in both of which I stirred up your pure mind by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. 
God is reminding the church at that time that they have to be mindful of what they had. They had the Holy Scriptures, which would be at that time the Old Testament. And they had, and they were receiving also, the writings of the New Testament, that which the apostles, God is at that time anointing them and leading them to write these letters. They were being moved by the Holy Spirit. God is revealing himself to us. <coughs> nature tells us that God exists, but nature cannot tell us that Christ died for us. The truth that Christ died for us is found only in Scripture. And thank God that we have it today. And God, the Holy Spirit, is telling us today that same message. Be mindful of his word. In order for us to experience God, to seriously experience God, we first have to come to that place in life where we hear the gospel message and we put our faith in Jesus. And then we have to stay in the word of God. Yes. We have to be in a church. Amen. We have to be willing to open our hearts to let the Holy Spirit use those whom he has called to teach to do just that, to teach God's word. We have to discipline ourselves to be reading the word daily. That's how we grow in our relationship with Christ. So thus, he is saying, he is stirring them up to remember this. Knowing that first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. When we go into the world and we share the gospel, when we live for that central purpose of living, which is to tell others that Jesus loves them, and that has to become in each of us the main reason for living. We are the only ones responsible to work that out before God. Each of us. We are the only ones. We have to come before him and say, Father, why do I exist? Why do I breathe? We read in the scripture that our breath, our final breath, has already been predetermined by God. And we read in the scripture that we cannot extend the boundary of that. When God says, that's your last breath, that's your last. So while we are here and we are alive and we are breathing, we have to ask ourselves and we have to ask God, why am I living? And the message will always come back. It's a one single answer. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Go and tell others that I die for them. But as we go, people will not receive Jesus all the time. 
And the Bible says that there are those who will be caught up in their own lusts, satisfying themselves. And they will become mockers of the gospel. When we say to them, tomorrow is not promised, Jesus can return at any moment, they will say, well, I have heard that for a long time. I've heard that all my life, as far as I can reason. As an adult, perhaps, I've heard that, and he hasn't come. And besides that, he has been here almost 2,000 years, and he certainly hasn't returned, so I don't want to hear it. For this they will willingly forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then exists perish, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are preserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Judgment and destruction of ungodly men. God, well, the answer that God has for people is this. And we have to remind them of this. If you think for a moment that what God says he will do, he will not do. You remind them this. He said, I am, you have to be absolutely certain that God will do it as far as dealing with the earth and dealing with sin. God says he will destroy the earth, the final judgment. He made that very clear. He created it. And he says, I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to consume it. And then I'm going to recreate it. And the strongest evidence of that is that God himself at one time flooded the entire earth that he created. And that's what he's telling us in his word. God says, I separated at one time the land from the water. And you had dry land and you have the ocean. I did that. I caused the creatures to be in the sea. I did that. I caused, caused the birds to be in the air. I caused the animals to be on the land. And finally I created man in that order. But he also flooded the entire earth. God did it. So God is saying to us, I am not saying to you that here is something that hasn't been proven before. It already did happen. It did happen. And with the certainty that it did happen, it will happen again. Only that this time, it will be with fire. And why? Because God is dealing with ungodly men. 
That destruction by fire is based on judgment. God says, I'm judging sin. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. For those who say, but it has been 2,000 years. And maybe additional 6,000 from creation on top of that. Verses 8 says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Jesus came almost 2,000 years ago, so we are a little over a day from God's perspective. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's desire is for people to come to him. And that is why he is delaying his coming. And that is what he is saying. I'm allowing more time only because I want more people to be saved. Not because you are worthy of it, but it is because I am long-suffering. I'm giving you time. You have borrowed time. You have time only because of his son, Christ Jesus. And if we are wrestling, well, how? How does it make sense that since God is sovereign, and he says he desires for everyone that none should perish, then why does he not take over humanity control the way we think and force us to repentance. Well, then if he does that, there is no love. If he does that, then we were not created in the image of God. So from the very beginning, when God created man, man was created in God's image with personality, with a mind to reason and a conscience to be able to speak, but most important, an intrinsic ability to love God. And love will not work if there is no freedom. You have to be free to love. Does God give man that freedom? And man abuse that freedom and choose to disobey God, choose to reject the love of God. And that led to sin. Sin then demands a price, a consequence, a judgment. It's not going to be accepted. And that led to death. And the only possible way to deal with the death that man has now faced, physical and spiritual, is that that price has to be paid. And the only possible way that that can be paid is that someone had to come absolutely perfect. 
Only God could do that. And so it demanded the very presence of God himself. Christ Jesus. And man still has to have the freedom to choose. And he will have to choose to accept Jesus or not. Or to be a scoffer. To make mockery of Jesus. Even though it is God's will that none should perish. Jesus did not die for some. He died for all. For God so loved the world. He atoned for the world. But the world will not accept him. But we live to say to the world that Jesus loves you. But we know this, that we know that we are not going to value material things. Because they will all eventually be devoured. And we know we are living to proclaim a message of repentance to people. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be? in holy conduct and godliness. The flood did happen. There was a Noah, and it did happen. That's the strongest evidence, and as sure as could be, the destruction of the earth will happen. I thank God for providing a house for me and my wife and our children. But it will eventually be destroyed. So that house is not going to determine in any way the value as to who I am as a person. Not even in the slightest. I'll take no boast in that house. I will not walk around and compare myself to someone else's house And if they have a smaller house, I feel good because mine is bigger than theirs. That house in no way will make me a better person spiritually. Though I appreciate it. And I thank God for it. That house did not solve my sin issue. That house will not get me to heaven. And knowing that it's going to be completely dissolved one day, God says he will do it. How am I going to look at my house right now? How am I going to look at my vehicle? How am I going to look at my shoes? Don't have too many. 
How am I going to look at my jewelry? How am I going to look at my watch? It will, none of those material things, knowing that they will perish, will in any way influence my character as to who I am before God. And therefore, it will in no way influence how I relate to other people. Those things will not produce love inside of me. It will perish. Perish. The only thing I can take to heaven is love. Love for God. And when I love people, I'm willing to tell them about Jesus. And God says, mansion or small little shack, he says you can live godly. And that's what matters. You live godly. But knowing that God is concerned about souls, I have learned to be content with what God has given me. Any extra monies is not going to go towards buying some huge mansion when there are souls to be saved. That's how much value I place on Jesus and what he did on Calvary's tree and on the fact that these material things will burn up. Verses 10. The earth And the works that are in it, God says, I will burn it up. Then I'm looking for something. I'm looking for the hastening, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwell. This is a judgment. This is a judgment work that is happening here. This destruction is a judgment destruction. God says, I'm doing this because people who will, my people who will be saved and purified by the blood of Jesus for all eternity, I am not going to let them dwell on a condition that was contaminated by sin. So I'm going to destroy it, and then I'm going to recreate it. Now, that new earth I hold on to, that new heaven I hold on to, That's the one. Mm -hmm. 
Because when I get there, God says, I have a mansion for you. And when I get there, my value for eternity as to who I am as a person is not based on the mansion, it's based on the one who I will fully understand, my Jesus, and I will worship him for all eternity. That's the one I am holding on to. That's the one I am looking forward. But it's not going to come until this one, God says, I have to destroy it. All the stars, the system in the heavens, I will completely destroy it. God says, if you have any doubt about it, just remember I once destroyed the earth with the flood. Thank God. Perspective changes everything, doesn't it? Perspective. Therefore, verses 14. In other words, God is saying, I give you quite a few indicatives. I tell you exactly what I am going to do. This is what I'm going to do. You have... You have only two choices. You're going to believe I'm going to do it or disbelieve. You're going to say, God, you said it in your holy scriptures, which you said I need to pay attention to, so therefore I'm going to believe it. Plus, you prove it before. And therefore, I'm not going to become a scuffer. I'm not going to become a spiritual Christian scoffer. No, God, I'm going to hold on to your word. I'm not going to value who I am as a person by material things, knowing you said you will destroy it. So God gave a whole lot of indicatives. He said, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going, this is the fact of the matter. Sin has come. It's all about ungodliness. But I want you to live, to tell others, to live, to share the gospel, because I don't want people for whom I die, which is the entire world, I don't want people to be in hell forever and ever. And now here comes the therefore which is an imperative. After giving all those indicatives, God says, here's the imperative. Here is the command I'm telling you now. Make a choice right now. And God says, let our love for him be with sincerity. Don't fake God. And we're not going to fake God, are we? We're not going to pretend in our Christian life says, therefore, beloved, one, looking forward to these things. Are we looking forward to those things? Ongoing, present tense, are we participle? God says, are you looking forward to this? There is a certainty that this will happen. But God says, are you looking forward to this? Be diligent to be found by him in peace. Are we diligent 
God says, I want you to be diligent. I want you to be eager knowing that I can come at any moment. Today can be the last. Right now, today, this date can be the very last. God can come in the next hour. God says, I want you to be diligent concerning that. And anyone that is alive around us, that does not know Jesus, if he comes in the next hour, it's too late. For all eternity, that soul would live in hell. Because that person is not born again. That's the imperative command, God says. This is what I want you to do. So I have determined by the grace of God... For me personally, not to fake God. Not to pretend God. That will make no sense. Matter of fact, that amounts to nonsense. So I do expect that he can come today. We plan for tomorrow... But we expect his coming can happen at any moment. Yes. As a thief in the night. Yes. Yes. The imagery there, it's a wonderful imagery. Mm-hmm. The thief does not send you a text and, hey, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'll be there. The Lord says, that's the imagery. There's no advance warning. None whatsoever. And in addition to that, life as we know it. Your life and my life can end at any moment. It can end at any moment. A couple of weeks ago, coming back from South Africa... Preached the gospel to so many people. Saw so many come forward and receive Jesus. Just simply tell them about the love of Jesus. Got on that flight and we're crossing the Atlantic. Light came on in the nighttime. Most people were asleep. I was up walking around because of my, the pain in my knee. Lights came on. Stewardess kindly says, to me, place a hand on my shoulder, and she says, because she's the one who encouraged me to walk around, she says, you have to get back to your seat. She then hurry me to get back. She knows my condition. Then an announcement came on, and people I saw started to get up when the announcement came on. They did not say the captain suggested. I felt the choice of words sort of traumatized people. They said, the commander says, we have to bottle up. We're going through some turbulence. And then he comes on and he confirms it. And within a few seconds, that aircraft began to bump up and down like this. 
I thought, okay, after a few minutes, it will go away. Ten minutes, it is still going up and down and going worse. It has nothing to do with the aircraft. Nothing to do with the aircraft. It has nothing to do with, with man. God says, the wind blew it. No one knows where it came from. And no one will know where it's going. Except God. I wanted to take off my seatbelt and jump up and say, are you sure if you die tonight you will be in heaven? But I couldn't because the light came on remind me that I have to stay there. But look. But that's the reality of it, isn't it? I look around and I saw people reaching in their pockets all along when they were making the announcement. Please listen while the stewardess is explaining about your seatbelt. They totally ignore her. But now people were in there looking to make sure what kind of plane is this? Is this one of those that crashed recently? Is it from that fleet? It wasn't. I had checked that before we bought the ticket. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to check something, use some common sense, right? But while I was there, I came to a conclusion. I says, God, if this plane, if it were to crash in the Atlantic, Father, thank you for giving me a peace that you'll take care of my wife and you'll take care of my babies. But Father, only you can keep this. And I remember using the word capsule because that's all it was to me. That little cylinder shape. And I'm in there. Father, by your grace, keep us safe for sure. Can you keep us safe for sure? And I had a complete peace. There are two things that can happen. Suddenly, not all of us will have the idea. Someone sent me an information, some information two days ago. She says, our precious dad is about to go to be with the Lord. And we are now surrounded. And she sent photos. Someone I knew from Bible college. What an amazing testimony. I knew him. He was a professor near the school surrounded by his family, at peace that he's going to be with the Lord. But not, not all of us may have that, that privilege, that blessing. The other uncertainty we have is that the Lord may come. The rapture might take place. Christ will take his church home. The earth will go through some different dispensations, but ultimately this judgment will take place. But either way, you see how suddenly things can happen? Life itself has taught us. Hasn't life itself taught us how uncertain it can be? You can be healthy one day and you go to the doctors for what is considered a, a routine. And then you hear not just bad news, but worse news. Yeah. Therefore, 
beloved. That's what God says. Here is the imperative. Therefore, beloved. Here is what. Considering all those things that I said to you, look forward to what God says. But be diligent. Be found by him in peace. Have peace in our hearts and without spots and blameless. I want to hop along to verses 18. It says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. That's what we want to do. We want to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus so that the Holy Spirit can continue to use us to tell others about Jesus. Knowledge of Christ will never lead us to be stagnant. We cannot be stagnant when we are born again and we are receiving the knowledge of Christ. I trust the Holy Spirit bless you today. Bless all of us through God's word. We'll do things differently. We'll keep the recording still on there. Thank you. I want to give a charge first to you, the congregation of Susan Road Baptist Church. And then we'll give the gospel invitation to those that are listening. To you, to me, let us not let this word slip by. It is God's word. It is not by chance that we're in his house today that he is speaking to us. God told us that. So let's come before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to bless us, to look at things from a biblical perspective. We may not have all the answers, We surely don't. But those answers that God gave us that are found in the scripture, we are certain about them. And we are consistently certain about them. We don't waver on those answers because they rest on the word of God. And they rest on God's promise. Amen? But it helps us when we look at life situation, isn't it? Yes, yes. When we look at our pain and our suffering, and we consider what God says to us today, it changes everything. So I encourage you at this moment, with our heads bowed, to come before the Lord, And given what the Holy Spirit has spoken to you personally today, respond to God. Respond to God. 
Holy Father. Please help us to not let anything be a hindrance in presenting ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. All life is yours, Lord Jesus. What we value, dear God, in this life, we know, Father, will determine where our heart is at. So, Jesus, our greatest value, Father, our true value, is that you died for us. You are our Savior. That God, Father in heaven, you look at us and you're seeing us holy and without blame because of Jesus. And Father, it is your desire that none should perish. You don't want any to perish. So they have to hear the gospel. They have to hear your love for them. So we value laboring to share your gospel, Lord Jesus. With every breath you give us, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to speak to those who are listening. They would be still hearing. Praise God. It is not by chance that you are on this sermon audio and you're listening to this message. God loves you. Jesus loves you. And he is calling you at this very moment to simply believe that he is your Savior. He is the only way to heaven. There is no other way to heaven but through Jesus. Receive him today as your Savior. He went to the cross. He who knew no sin, he died for us. And he died for you. So at this moment, I encourage you to accept Jesus. Open your heart to that truth. You may not understand all of it. No one does. How God can leave heaven God who transcends us, sovereign God. How can we comprehend God in his eternal sovereignty? Scarred on the cross for our sins. 
but he did it. So at this moment, we want to pray with you. And we would like you to pray along with us, but to really believe what you say in your heart. We're just praying with you to help you in the process. Matter of fact, you can, on your own, just pray right now. But to be praying along with you is just to help you within that process. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are my Savior. Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. Forgive me of my sins. Lord Jesus, thank you for your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, I pray believing. Amen.